Welcome to Fight Back Radio, the Marxist voice of labor and youth in Canada, and the best source for a revolutionary analysis of current events, perspectives, and theory. So on September 13th, the Moraldi police in Iran arrested a young Kurdish woman, Massa Amini. I'm sure you all know about this by now, that's why you're here. Uh, she was arrested for supposedly wearing her hijab improperly. So they arrested her, they took her into custody, and shortly after, she was pronounced dead. In the time in between, they beat her to death and did God knows what else to her. And she was only 22 years old. So in the days and weeks since then, there have been protests all across the country protesting against her death, but also demanding the fall of the entire Islamic Republic. A notable feature of the protests across the country is the role of women in the forefront leading the charge at all of the rallies. Standing on cars and leading the chants, ripping off their hijabs and burning them, and cutting off their hair in protest. Uh, recently also videos have been coming out of uh, young schoolgirls in middle school and high school uh, performing acts of defiance. For example, there was one group of schoolgirls who took off their hijabs in protest. Uh, a man in his car voiced his disapproval, so they ran after his car, kicking it and screaming, dictator, scum, and dishonorable. So you have this incredible movement right now with women on the forefront against the most, one of the most violent and terrifying governments in the world. And this is a common trend we've seen in past revolutions, in the revolution in Sudan a few years ago, the Arab Spring, uh, but also more historical revolutions like the Russian Revolution of 1917 and the Paris Commune of 1871. Because when a revolution erupts, uh, it is those who have the most to gain and the least to lose who fight the hardest. The same layers who, uh, in normal periods, because of their oppression, are excluded from political activity burst onto the scene of history and play a leading role. So we're now three weeks into the movement and it has shaken the regime to its core. The protests have spread to over 140 towns and cities with protesters chanting, woman, life, freedom, death to the dictator and death to the Islamic Republic. In Karaj, the protesters put forward the slogan, you will rue the day that we are armed. In Rome, which is a traditionally religious city where people typically uh, supported the, the regime, there's a video of a Basiji militiaman being beaten up by angry men and women. In many areas, the police have had to not wear their uniforms because the people will just beat them up if they know they're cops. Uh, there are also reports of governor's offices and paramilitary headquarters being taken over and burnt down. In Amul, the police had to completely leave the city center, and there's many other reports of things like this. In the Kurdish areas, there's basically a civil war happening. Uh, Maso herself was Kurdish. She came from the city of Sakez, uh, and her Kurdish name is Gina. The protests actually started in the Kurdish quarters. Uh, and in Iran, uh, the Kur Iranian Kurdistan is kept in a state of underdevelopment. It is a very resource-rich part of the country, but the regime uh, takes the resources from there and sends it to other parts of Iran that are Farsi-speaking uh, for processing to keep them uh, living in a state of backwardness and poverty because they are afraid of creating a powerful Kurdish working class. Uh, they have a very uh, revolutionary tradition, so this is something that the, the regime is right to be afraid of.
So in response to the movement, the government has ramped up repression. At least 180 people have been killed, including a 10-year-old girl who they shot in the head. Um, but in spite of the horrible repression, the movement is raging on. And the only effect that the repression is having right now is just adding to the anger of the people. The most recent death that has really angered people in Iran and outside is that of Nika Shami. Nika was a 16-year-old girl who went to the protests. And at the protest, the police chased her away from the crowd and into an abandoned building. She was missing for eight days until they finally took her body to her family. And in those eight days, the police tortured and raped her. And she was 16 years old. They took her, family to, her body to her family, and then they uh, stole it again because they didn't want her funeral to become a point of reference. So they stole her body and buried it 25 miles away from her hometown. Her aunt and uncle complained, and they, they made a fuss about it, so they kidnapped them too. What they did to Nika and what they continue to do to the women and the men that are fighting, who stand up to them, is just making the people angrier. And as the regime ramps up the repression, rather than frightening people back into their homes, it is actually inspiring serious discussions on the need for tactics, strategy, and organization. So this movement is actually finding itself on a higher level and more organized basis than previous movements. Now, Massa's murder is a horrific tragedy, but it is a sad reality that every week and every day, women in Iran are beaten, raped, and murdered by the government and by men. Uh, 16,000 women are prosecuted every year for uh, not wearing their hijab properly, and 2,000 women every year are murdered in femicides. So we have to ask ourselves, why is this movement happening now? And the fact is there's a lot of anger against the regime that has been building up for years and decades over the mistreatment of women, national minorities, and just generally uh, lack of democratic rights, over misappropriation of public funds by these so-called pious leaders, over deep economic problems in the country and huge inequality. And each year, almost without fail, we see the worsening of inflation, unemployment, and unpaid wages. The masses get poorer and poorer while the mullahs live lavish lives. For the past five years, the country has been in a state of almost constant protests, uprisings, and strikes. And the movement around Massa that began three weeks ago is just the most recent and largest movement to happen. Uh, so this, this, this uh, period of unrest that began five years ago started in Mashhad in December of 2017. Mashhad is the second biggest city in Iran. And historically, the population there is religious and very supportive of uh, the, the government. So in December of 2017, a reactionary mullah organized a uh, protest against the, the president, Rouhani, who is one of the moderates. So within the Islamic Republic, there's different factions. And something they would do is they'd organize protests against each other to score cheap points. So this reactionary mullah in 2017, he organizes this thing to strengthen his position and weaken Rouhani, the moderate. And he, he calls the masses into the street. So he brings them into the street with the chant, down with Rouhani. Very quickly, he loses control of the protest. And the chants become, down with Khamenei, death to the dictator, death to the Islamic Republic. 
This was a spontaneous eruption of rage by the lower middle class and working class youth against poverty, rising prices and destitution, as well as against the wealth and corruption of the Iranian elite, particularly the clerical establishment. And the protests in Mashhad quickly spreads to other parts of the country that traditionally supported the regime, that traditionally would come out and defend them because they're religious, but no more. They're all coming out saying death to the Islamic Republic, death to Khamenei. Uh, there was one video circulating on Twitter uh, at the time that summed it up quite well. Uh, it was a woman at one of the protests and she was saying, I feel really bad. I went to Tehran twice to tell them about my problems. They didn't even spit at me. My brother went and martyred himself. For what? Just so these guys could rule and her sister could prostitute herself? What does a martyr sister have when she doesn't have anything to give to her children? Fuck the honor of Iran, it hasn't given me anything or to those like me. We are not Americans, I speak my mother tongue. Leader, look at these hands, are my hands toiling or are you? The children are sleeping hungry. This was partly also in response to the government saying that these protests were organized by foreign agents, which is a common thread that we see in Iran. So that movement died down, but when it, at the time when it did, we, we made the point that this would not be the end of it because all the problems still existed. The people were still poor and hungry while the ruling class was living a life of luxury at their expense. The Pandora's box was opened and there was no going back. And we were right. Since then, there have been constant protests, strikes, and uprisings explicitly against the government. So for example, just a few months uh, after this uprising, uh, there was a farmer's protest in Esfahan over water shortages. So they were suffering the worst drought to happen in Iran for uh, 50 years. And this drought is, is not just completely out of our control. Uh, it was very much due to incompetence, corruption, and mismanagement. Because the government had all these irrigation projects happening, supposedly, putting millions of dollars into them. But the workers on the irrigation projects were not getting paid for many months. And a lot of these irrigation projects were incomplete or completely non-existent. Uh, but millions and millions of dollars were going to the pockets of these regime insiders that were uh, contracted to run these irrigation projects. So yeah, they depleted all the major water reserves, major lakes and rivers, including Lake Urmia, one of the biggest lakes in the country. And they put fishermen and farmers in dire poverty. Uh, so the water shortage really shows the true parasitical nature of Iranian capitalism. The protests lasted 50 days, but eventually ended. But since then, there have been more protests, again, over the water shortages, because the ne neglect, the mismanagement, the corruption has not stopped. The water shortages have not stopped. The problems continue. Uh, in November 2019, there was another uprising. Rouhani was implementing cuts, and he cut the fuel subsidy. When he cut the fuel subsidy, fuel prices tripled uh, as a result of this. So in response, thousands of poor young people poured onto the streets with an insurrectionary mood. Protesters switched off their cars and blocked the roads. And this protest spread to over 100 towns and cities. The mood was very militant and it terrified the government. So they implemented very harsh repression. The uprising was put down in only five days. That's how intense the repression was. To give you an idea, less than 200,000 people participated, but at least 10,000 were injured, arrested, or killed, and over 1,000 people were killed in those five days. In many places, it became like a war zone. 
In Shiraz, they had helicopters flying and indiscriminately shooting into the crowd. They killed 12 and 13-year-olds, and the youngest person killed by the police was seven years old. The state forces also camped at the hospitals so that injured protesters going there for medical attention would be met with more brutality. There was also a video of the forces beating a man with an axe and then shooting him three times. And this was all under Rouhani. He's one of the moderates in the regime. So in addition to these protests and uprisings, there have been many, many strikes by the workers during this period since 2018. The labor movement is actually of particular interest to us as socialists because it is only the working class that can overthrow this government and replace it with something better. The Iranian working class has a long and proud history of struggle and militancy that has been resurrected in the last five years. There hasn't been strike waves like what we've seen since 2018, since the lead up to 1979. And if you don't know what happened in 1979, the last dictator was overthrown in 1979. How was he overthrown? How was the king, the Shah, overthrown in 1979? A general strike across the whole country was organized, across all industries, called by the oil workers. And that is the direction that the labor movement needs to go in today. Since 2018, there have also been dozens of independent uh, trade unions ha have arisen. So up until recently, there were only like two independent uh, trade unions in Iran. All the rest were state-run. But dozens and dozens of independent unions have sprouted up, which is a really important development in the country. And yes, there have been a, a lot of strikes. So I'm going to just go into some of them. In the year 2020 alone, tens of thousands of industrial workers went on strike, shutting down power plants, coal mines, railways, and petrochemical companies. Nurses protested over unpaid wages and overwork due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In August 2020 alone, 331 strikes and protests happened involving all sectors in that one month. Also, the half-tapit workers uh, went on strike in 2020. I want to bring special attention to the half-tapit workers. They're, these are workers in the sh uh, sugar um, processing plants who are, they have a reputation for being the most radical uh, union in the country. And they went on strike in 2020 demanding that, that their unpaid wages be paid, um, that their company be renationalized, that the current owners of the company be arrested, and that their company be run under workers' control, under their control. This is basically socialist demands, arresting your owners, taking over the plant, running it by the workers. Uh, so they're very radical. Another significant strike uh, was that of the oil and gas workers in September 2020. 25,000 oil and gas workers spontaneously went on strike all across the country. This is very significant because it indicates the class struggle right now is increasingly taking on a national character, which is unprecedented under the Islamic Republic. There's more examples, but needless to say, the government is terrified of the workers. Um, and actually, in terms of the Haftape workers and the oil workers I mentioned, uh, the government accepted their demands. So in response to the government accepting their demands, the Haftape uh, union representative had, had this to say, instead of saying thank you, he says, the Rouhani government is incapable of dealing with the current crisis. The economy is completely paralyzed by the US imposed sanctions as well as the ongoing world economic crisis and as an effect of decades of capitalist mismanagement. So they just like spit at the government again. Uh, so I could go on about the militancy of the workers in Iran, but you, you get the picture. 
And our union leaders here in Canada could definitely learn a lot from them, uh, for sure. Now, since 2020, the president of Iran is a man named uh, Raisi. He is an ultra-conservative who is known for being responsible for the executions of protesters following the November 2018 uprising and the mass execution of Iranian leftists and activists in 1988. Raisi has killed thousands of communists, and he is the current president. He is ruthless. Uh, and it is fitting that someone like him would be selected as president in a period of such mass upheaval. The, the regime is in danger, uh, and they are scared. They have right to be scared, so they put him there. But regardless of who is president, uh, what tactics are used to put the masses down, whether it's lies and deception or outright repression and executions, uh, Uprisings, social explosions are inevitable because of the crisis of Iranian capitalism. Today, over 75% of the people live under the poverty line. You, the youth unemployment rate is over 25%. Inflation of food is 70%. And workers spend an average of 90% of their income on food. There are shortages of water and electricity, and of course, there are no democratic rights and no freedom, especially for women and national minorities. So coming back to today, um, as I outlined, the movement around Massa's murder did not come out of nowhere. It is a continuation of the intense, uh, constant struggle since 2018 against the hated Islamic Republic. But this movement that is happening now is on a greater scale and militancy than all of the others before it. It is clearly an escalation. And there's a lot of support for the present movement among the working class. As of October 1st, the unions that supported the protests included the truck drivers, the Council for Organizing Protests of Oil Contract Workers, the Haftape Workers, the Tehran Bus Company Workers, the Teachers Coordinating Committee, among others. And these unions have been on the forefront of the escalating strikes uh, since 2018. Uh, and also the Haftape workers, local affiliates of the teachers union and contract oil workers have joined the protests across the country. The truck drivers union actually issued a statement saying we need a general strike. And last week, after raids on student dorms and campuses where hundreds of students were arrested, student unions reacted by calling a national student strike to release the political prisoners. And this has become a focal point for the movement. Uh, the Coordination Council of Iranian Teachers Trade Associations also announced a national strike for Monday and Wednesday last week. The Council for Organizing Protests of Oil Contract Workers, which has organized several national strikes in past years, has also threatened to call a strike if the repression does not end. We are already seeing nationwide protests and strikes being organized by different sectors of the working class in support of this movement, which places it on a higher level than any other movement around democratic rights in the past. But even this is not enough. We need a general strike of all sectors across the entire country un united under a common program to bring down this government, but also to replace it with something better. It seems like a lot, but it is actually part of the tradi revolutionary traditions of Iran. This is what they did in 1979. Uh, what you need is to form workers' councils in all of the workplaces to do that. You, you need to form workers' councils in all of the workplaces to organize a general strike across the country simultaneously under a common united program. 
And this happened in 1979. And in some unions, this tradition of having workers' councils in the workplace is coming back. So for example, the Haftapa workers, when they strike, they organize their strikes through workers' councils. They already have that in place. The oil workers, uh, after their 2020, uh, the, the, their strike won, um, but they got kind of screwed over. It's a long story, but the point is, they learned from that lesson and said, we have to do what the Haftapa workers do. We need strike councils too to organize our strikes. So the oil workers also have workers' councils already. And the coal miners as well have learned, we need workers' councils. So in multiple sectors in the economy, you already have workers' councils existing. This just has to be generalized across the country to all sectors. And, and yeah, you have to unite under a common program that actually addresses all the ills of the country in order for the struggle to be successful. Uh, the program needs to include an end to all oppression, including uh, oppression of women, national minorities, um, dem democratic rights, as well as economic demands, like the need for a living wage and employment for all. The program must also attack capitalism and ca call for all industries to be nationalized and run under workers' control for the benefit of society, so that the immense wealth that exists in Iran can be put to good use for socialism, a socialist program. This is the only way that the workers in Iran can overthrow the current government and solve the political and economic problems that exist. The only other alternative that is seriously being proposed right now is the restoration of the monarchy by Western powers, which would solve none of the problems. In 1979, millions of people rose up to overthrow the monarchy. And for you know, reasons I can't go into here, they ended up with this this like the mullahs. Um, we don't need to kick out the current dictators and bring back the old dictators, wife and son. That's not gonna solve anything. But without a socialist solution, all we can really do in any revolution is replace one dictator with another. Look at how the Arab Spring ended. You need a socialist revolution to kick out the whole ruling class and place power in the hands of the majority of the people. And only the working class of Iran can accomplish this task. The change has to come from inside the country. But then that begs the question, how can we help? We're not in Iran, what can we do? I, I've been to a number of protests in Toronto and listened to many of the speeches, and a lot of them call on Canada and the US to help. And they, but they specifically call on the Canadian and American governments to help. And Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden, uh, they have both come out in support of the movement. They both come out and said, the brave people of Iran are fighting against dictatorship. We support them, those brave, brave women. Uh, they're helping, right? Uh, Trudeau has increased sanctions on the country, and Biden has promised he will do so soon. But neither of these gentlemen have imposed sanctions on Saudi Arabia or spoken about its crimes. Saudi Arabia, a country that's waging war in Yemen right now, where over 100,000 people have been killed, and over 200,000 people have died of famine, and many more hundreds of thousands are facing death from the famine. Saudi Arabia is a country where women do not have rights. Only recently women were allowed to start driving cars. This, it's not, you know, but that's their biggest ally in the Middle East. Uh, let's not also forget that the US and its allies invaded Iraq and Afghanistan and when they did it, what did they say? We are going there to free those poor people and bring them democracy and women's rights. 
Over a million have died in Iraq from the war, and there's still no women's rights, there's still no democracy, uh, but there's puppet government uh, in parts of the Middle East now, so I guess it was a victory. Uh, at the end of the day, we have to point out that our imperialist, uh, the imperialist governments, they are complete hypocrites when they pretend to care about democracy or women's rights or the rights of national minorities. Whenever they step in to help, they're only stepping in to help themselves. The, reason, the only reason for the imperialists to step in and increase sanctions in Iran uh, or do whatever else, or you know, if they were to invade, the only reason that would be the case is because the US and its allies, including Canada, want control of the Middle East. They want, they want to control the markets, they want control of the resources, they want control of the strategic ports and naval bases. They just want to increase their profits. And they're very cynically using the current situation as an excuse to impose sanctions on Iran and, and weaken it because uh, Iran is a regional imperialist power in, in the Middle East that is challenging their domination of the region. So all they want to do is weaken their opponent. There are already sanctions on Iran, and now they're adding even more. But what do sanctions actually do? Who do they hurt? They mainly hurt the workers and the poor, most of all. The sanctions in Iran are a significant contributing factor to the current economic situation. They contribute to inflation, unemployment, and poverty. And the imperialists have nothing to offer to Iranian people but greater suffering. Also, historically speaking, in Iran specifically, uh, the imperialists have only ever stepped in uh, and intervened to curb democracy, not to help it. And the best example of that would be the coup in 1953. So for, throughout the 20th century, uh, in, for most of the 20th century, Iran had a king, the Shah. Um, the Pahlavi dynasty. And under the, the, this dynasty, under the monarchy, uh, the imperialists in the West essentially controlled Iran, and more than half of the oil revenues went to the capitalists in Britain and the United States and other Western uh, powers. So you had these rich people in the West getting even richer on Iranian resources and Iranian labor. People in Iran did not like that. So in 1953, they overthrew the Shah to take control of their resources, to run, uh, to, to have a more democratic uh, you know, government, and to have the, the money go to benefiting the people in Iran. That was their democratic will. What did the US do? This was actually the first coup organized by the United States. They stepped in and overthrew the, Demo the democratic leader, Mossadegh, and brought the Shah back so that the oil revenue could keep coming. Because that's all they care about is their profits. Um, and again, that, that's what they're trying to, to bring back, is their uh, domination of, of the country. They don't actually care about women's rights. Um, yeah, another thing about the imperialists is that even when it comes to their own countries, like Canada and the US, uh, even though we, we have more rights here, democratic rights, women's rights, it's not because the people in power want that. They only tolerate it. They, they don't value it. Uh, on the right to abortion, Biden once said, I don't think a woman has the exclusive right to say what should happen to her body. And today in the US, with a Democrat in the helm, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Let's not also forget the Black Lives Matter protests that happened recently. 
uh, at least 25 Americans were killed. Kyle Rittenhouse went into the crowd and shot unarmed protesters, but he was allowed to walk free, right? We should also be talking about the American regime <laughs> and the dictatorship of the American regime in the United States. In Canada too, our rights are not safe. We've all but lost the right to legally strike. In Canada, we're allowed to strike, but whenever a strike becomes too inconvenient for the capitalists, what do they do? Justin Trudeau puts through back-to-work legislation, making the strike illegal. So we're allowed to strike, but we're not allowed to win, which is kind of the point of striking. Uh, so yeah, our rights here are not even safe. We should have no illusions in our own ruling class, and we should be clear that they are also our enemies. But as workers and youth living in imperialist countries, we can help people in Iran and the rest of the ex-colonial world. But we don't help by begging the imperialists to step in and meddle in their affairs. We help them and we also help ourselves by fighting imperialism, by fighting the capitalists in the West, by fighting the governments in the West that represent them. As workers and youth living in imperialist countries, we are the only ones that can overthrow imperialism. By fighting the imperialists, we weaken their ability to impose sanctions and invade other countries. And by ultimately overthrowing them, we help the workers and oppressed of the whole world to forge their own path without their movements being derailed. If you support the movement in Iran and you oppose capitalism everywhere, including here in Canada, you should join us and help us organize. Thank you for listening to Fight Back Radio. Fight Back is a revolutionary organization fighting for the socialist transformation of society. We are the Canadian section of the international Marxist tendency. We actively seek to educate workers and youth in the genuine ideas of Marxism in order to fight back against capitalist attacks and austerity and bring an end to capitalism. However, we won't be able to do this on our own. So if you agree with us, get involved. We can be found online at marxist.ca, on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Canada Marxists, on Instagram at Socialist Fightback, and on YouTube as Fightback La Riposte. For international news and analysis, check out In Defense of Marxism at marxist.com. The music in this episode was General Strike by Soul Jazz Orchestra. They can be found at souljazzorchestra.com. Dot com.